the morning. Yeah, you can clap. Someone's clapping. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, we have a lot going on, and uh, just plan to uh, join us. Good Friday should be a great service. It's not going to be as celebratory as we're uh, meditating, thinking on the death of Jesus, but. A couple days later, and on Sunday, will be a happy time of celebrating his resurrection and the joy that was there, and we'll have uh, continue our series of conversations at the cross, but next Sunday would be conversations at the tomb, uh, because Jesus wasn't there, and so the powerful time. Before I get into the uh, actual sermon this morning, I wanted to present uh, a ministry to you that uh, will be provided uh, to you uh, through the church. And so I want to introduce it with a video uh, first, and then I'll share about how you can have access to uh, this great ministry and media. Uh, it's called Right Now Media. It's kind of the Netflix of um, Bible studies, I guess you could say. They'll, they'll kind of mention that as well. But um, it's an online library for uh, videos and all kinds of stuff. Are we good to go? All right, you can play that. Thank you. Welcome to our study of the Gospel of John. I have fallen in love with the work of Paul as I've studied the book of 1 Corinthians, and I believe you will too. This is where Jesus taught in Capernaum, and you have to understand this scene. The Lord is my shepherd. And over the next six weeks, we're going to look deeply into the 23rd Psalm. Right Now Media. It's for groups. It's for personal devotion. It's for parents. The bullseye of parenting is to raise children who become like Jesus. It's for kids. This is Phil. We're digging into the Bible, which, as we've mentioned, is more than just a book. It's for tough times. So when you recognize that you're trying to have a conversation with your spouse and they're not ready to talk, it's not helpful to keep pressing right. them. It's for every phase of life. If you've made mistakes with money, you know what that makes you? Over 12. <laughs> and now, it's yours. We've purchased a Right Now Media subscription for everyone in our church. So check your inbox for the digital invitation and download the app for instant access to thousands of biblically-based videos. Get equipped. Get inspired. Amen. And then you can put the next slide up for a little while. So I'm excited to share with you uh, that our church has now unlimited access to Right Now Media, and it's the world's largest streaming library of video Bible study resources. Uh, I think, I know the church has uh, had this subscription in the past, so uh, could you raise your hand if you know what Right Now Media is? You've used it before, a half maybe? Awesome. So you can help out the others. So if you have uh, any problems or uh, whatever, it's pretty easy, pretty user-friendly. But uh, this extensive library has more than 20,000 videos taught by leaders like you saw on the video, Francis Chan, Jenny Allen, J.D. Greer, uh, Dr. Tony Evans. There's tons more. Um, 
these Bible study videos can be used as uh, part of a group when we do our uh, uh, small groups here in a couple weeks. Uh, we're going to each be using, uh, following the same Bible study, and it'll be from Right Now Media. Um, so anytime we do a small group, uh, we'll, we'll, we will access this and we'll help you to get it onto the TV screen or whatever you need to do. You can use it on your phone. You can use it on your uh, computer, uh, anything like that. Our church believes that Right Now Media is a tool that can help you uh, to live out your faith in every area of your life, at home, at work, in your community. I like the marriage advice they gave, the financial advice, although I've never made a mistake with money myself. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we all have. Um, but there's so much more. I've been in youth ministry. I've used their videos in uh, youth classes. Um, we've watched them as a family devotional around the table. The, um, they have nurse, they have uh, baby, uh, toddler videos um, that you can uh, sit and watch, and they're very entertaining. So it's just a lot of great content, and um, we, we have um, provided it for you. So uh, we've partnered with Right Now Media, and they've kind of given a discount for that, but the church um, believes that this is a great uh, tool, not just for our Bible studies, but to open it up to um, the entire church. So if you are here in this service... Uh, you come to church uh, at Bethel and you have access to this. So if you say, oh, this is my first time here. I don't know if we have any first time uh, visitors, but uh, if you're here, Right Now Media will allow you to uh, access um, our account. This is absolutely free, uh, provided, like I just said, at a discount to our church. Um, if you're like me and you're thinking, uh, there's got to be a catch. What's pastor going to say next? I got to pay $10 a month. Um, no, uh, you are wrong. There's not uh, a catch to it. It's literally free. I gave them all of the emails um, that are on our email list that you get our newsletter uh, through. So in the next couple days, today's our launch date. So they said it'll take, you know, two days after the launch date, you'll receive an email. Uh, if you don't get our email newsletter, uh, you can sign up by that, finding that QR code. I hope I made it big enough uh, for you. Um, or you can um, write your email on a card and get the card to me or drop it in the, um, the, the wooden box on the coffee stand there. Um, we just need an email and it'll send you the, in the uh, invitation. And so it's really uh, easy to sign up. And if you feel like uh, my conscience can't take a free subscription to thousands of videos on the internet. Okay, we will take your money if you want to drop a, uh, in six months, whatever, whatever you want to do. Uh, just write, write, make sure it says right now media and we know, but we don't want to uh, do that. We uh, have the ability and the desire to provide this for our Bible studies. We already pay for uh, our Bible studies and this is just an extension of that. And so if you have any trouble uh, signing up or how to do it, how to use it, um, you can call me or one of your techie friends. Um, it's really fun, really easy. You literally go to the website, click on a video, and it'll play. Or it'll bring up five uh, weeks of the study, and you play that. It's pretty pretty easy. It has study guides that you can print off and you can 
follow along. So I encourage you to use it in your daily life, in your personal uh, devotions, um, with your family, uh, anything like that. All right? So we're excited to offer this to you and uh, hope that you get connected to it and use it as often as you want. There's not, you could use it every day, a thousand times a day, and there's no extra cost to it. So um, we love to make that available to you. Uh, we're going to continue in our series uh, with the conversations at the cross. And today's conversation is uh, with the robbers, the other criminals uh, on the cross. We're going to uh, read from uh, Luke 23, uh, 39 through uh, 40, 41 or 42, 43, uh, has their conversation. It begins with, One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, Jesus, saying, Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. And then he says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. These, the, that verse and this, Jesus' response is key this morning. Jesus answered him and said, Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Who are these uh, two thieves, robbers, criminals uh, on the side on, that were being hung uh, next to Jesus? The Greek word for criminals that, that describes them is the word leistes. It means robber or insurrectionist or revolutionary. The Roman law did not regard uh, just robbery as a conviction or a sentence to death. It, it wasn't that bad of an offense. So when the Bible says these thieves or these robbers, they were more than just what we would call in our day a robber or a thief. These two had likely committed an act of revolt against the government. And um, possibly, since Pilate um, before had offered Barabbas, when, if you remember the scene where Jesus, they want to crucify Jesus, Pilate tries to offer Barabbas to set him free, um, or set Jesus free and, and crucify Barabbas. And the people said, no, we want to crucify Jesus, set Barabbas free. Okay, these two uh, criminals were probably, possibly in the same uh, gang or group as Barabbas and uh, in the same creating insurrection against Rome and the, the government there. This criminal uh, next to Jesus that has made the statement, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's come to the realization that there's more to eternity than just being, uh, being dead. We don't know how much he knew about Jesus prior to this. Uh, if you read each account of uh, this day and the crucifixion um, story, uh, they say the other gospels will tell you that both 
criminals were insulting Jesus earlier in the day. This is, uh, you know, it took six, seven hours. Um, and so he has come to the realization um, that, and had a change in his heart. And his simple phrase, remember me when you come into your kingdom, is deeper than our English language may translate. When he says, remember me when you, enter, when you come into your kingdom, it's relating to a person, not just uh, remember your keys before you uh, leave the house, or I wish I could remember uh, this moment or that day or something. This was uh, more relating uh, on a personal level for good, remember and care for, remember for good, that he's asking Jesus uh, to, that when he comes into his kingdom, when he comes into his power, when he comes into his kingship, is what that word kingdom means, that he would remember with care, remember for good uh, himself. He wants Jesus in this final moment of his life. He's asking Jesus to be gracious towards him when he begins his reign. He assigns kingship to Jesus in this dying breath, in this last moment. We don't want to add anything more than what is said, but according to Jesus' answer, uh, the criminal, uh, his phrase is enough to get him into heaven. Too often we put extra requirements on uh, what I have to do to be good enough to make it into heaven. And oftentimes I go back to this person who earlier in the day had been insulting Jesus, who had uh, been creating a stir and uh, a revolt against the God. He was a bad guy, um, but he comes to the realization probably through uh, observing what's been going on and he's processing it, maybe seeing what's happening at the cross. We had the conversation about uh, Jesus giving his mother to John and John to his mother. So he, there's, there's not just bad insults being shouted, but uh, who Jesus is is being uh, displayed in this moment as well. Like I said, too many times we put extra requirements on our salvation. We, we tell ourselves that, man, I need to clean up before I can uh, be good enough to, to pray to Jesus. Before Jesus is going to help me, I got to be this, and I got to be right uh, I got to look this way, or I got to act, I got to stop doing this, and then I'll uh, go back to the Lord, or I'll go back to church, or whatever uh, it would be. Oftentimes, we put um, our uh, own requirements, extra requirements on our salvation, or uh, from religious leaders and pastors and other denominations who uh, say that you need to be uh, water baptized to be saved, or there's even uh, other Pentecostal denominations that might say uh, you have to uh, be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues and then you're saved. And I always uh, look back at this moment. Is there a formula that you have to speak to receive salvation? No. I can, I can invite you to the front and we, I can pray with you and give you some of the words uh, to pray to kind of help you and guide you through that moment, but it's an issue of the heart. 
It's an issue between you, uh, your soul, your mind, your spirit, your heart, and where it is with the Lord. I've prayed with people uh, that just didn't want bad things to happen. So if I say these words, (laughs) God's going to save me, right? And they may say the exact same words, but in their heart, they don't want to change. They don't want uh, to believe in Jesus. They just don't want the bad things to happen, okay? It's not just a formula that you speak but it's a heart issue. Romans 10 uh, verses uh, 9 and 10, it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This man who's hanging on the cross next to Jesus believes in his heart that Jesus is the Messiah. He assigns to him kingship. Remember me when you go into your kingdom. This, he realizes this is not a typical, normal guy like the other criminal that's hanging on the cross. This is the Messiah that they've been uh, talking about, that they've been praising, that they've been uh, hearing about. And he, he, can, he believes in his heart that's who he is. And his confession in that sentence, remember me when you come into your kingdom, is enough. Jesus says, Yes, <laughs> today you will be with me in paradise. One commentary uh, wrote this about the man. This man has confessed his faith and casts himself on Jesus' mercy and saving power. He comes empty-handed to the Savior. He has nothing to offer him, no moral life, not even service after conversion. But as death approaches, he finds that the free grace of Christ is sufficient for salvation. Jesus answers him by saying, today, like right now, you're about to die, and today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus is about to die and about to enter into uh, paradise. This word uh, paradise is a heavenly place uh, where people go, where souls are awaiting the resurrection and the second coming of Jesus, that when we die, we're in the presence of God. There's a whole nother uh, long lessons about the, the end times, what happens after uh, death, but there's a promise, there's a verse that to be absent from the body is to be present with God. So no matter what, hap- what happens and where we're going and what realm and uh, what we call this or that place, he's going to be with Jesus at his death. And that's what he's declared. He's believed in his heart. And Jesus is accepting that as his confession of faith. So what does this conversation mean to us? On this Palm Sunday, as I was trying to line up uh, each topic of conversation with uh, the different parts of the uh, Easter celebration, each the the four-week series we were going to do, and I saw that today, when we look at Palm Sunday, what were the people waving branches? Uh, what were they doing? What was this man on the cross, his confession? What was he doing? And it li- they both line up together. And I want to look at that uh, uh, for the rest of our time this morning. This Uh, conversation for this day I chose because we remember Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem 
where he comes riding in on a donkey. We're going to read from uh, Matthew's version. If you want to turn to Matthew um, 21. And our opening text in the very beginning was from John. uh, And each gospel kind of writes different accounts. Some are a little more detailed uh, than others. But I want to look at not only did this criminal declare Jesus as king, but the people involved in, in the triumphant entry are declaring Jesus as king. Jesus even does stuff in this moment for the first time that declares himself as Messiah or as king. And there'll be a slide here that talks about it. So in Matthew uh, 21, we'll read 1 through 11. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, uh, you should say, the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and, and they did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them. And he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road and others were cutting branches from the trees and they were spreading them in the road. The crowds uh, going ahead of him and those who followed behind were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred saying, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Some uh, symbolism in this, uh, in this account that signifies Jesus as king first is when he comes riding in on a donkey, on a colt. That's from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. He tells how the disciples can borrow a donkey And usually animals could be borrowed for official use by kings or by rabbis. Jesus instructs his disciples uh, to tell the owners the Lord has need of them. And so the owners oblige. This is the first time that Jesus identifies himself as Messiah, an outward sign. This is uh, who I am. He gets the donkey outside of Bethpage, which is about two miles from Jerusalem. He might have been closer to Jerusalem if they brought the donkey, you know, and met him out on the way. Um, But basically, up to two miles was this journey. And he begins riding on the donkey and and taking that journey into Jerusalem. The disciples uh, laid their coats on the donkey for him to sit, kind of like a saddle, um, or also as a festive decoration for this 
parade, this triumphant entry that's about to happen. A large crowd of people uh, are seeing what's happening. They're seeing that Jesus couldn't hide from anybody. So as Jesus is making his way, uh, they're seeing, oh, he's coming to Jerusalem, and they run out uh, to meet him. And uh, the large crowd of people come out and they surround him and they're following him from behind and they're leading him into Jerusalem and their shouts and their praise. This wasn't uh, just a, a two-minute song like we represented uh, in the room uh, this morning. This was a long uh, parade and this journey of praise and it creates this great stir in the city. The people laid their coats on the road and uh, allowed the donkey uh, carrying Jesus to walk on it. This was an action recognizing and declaring a king. Many thought that the Messiah, the king, would come on a horse, ready for battle, ready for war, and going to set Israel uh, free. But the donkey is, is meek and and mild is, is a symbol of peace and coming in uh, not to war, uh, coming in humble in a humble way. He comes as a peacemaker. The people spreading the palm branches and shouting Hosanna, uh, they're quoting what we read earlier from Psalms 118. This was done uh, at feasts of celebration and this moment is occurring at the Passover season and they're singing uh, their praise to him. They're shouting. There's hundreds of people there and they're shouting the, the one phrase, Hosanna. It literally is, uh, save us, oh save us. It's, not a, uh, it's more of an exclamation that Jesus, they're declaring Jesus will save them. They're not praying and begging him to save them. Uh, they're declaring that he will save them, that he is the Savior. He is the King. He is the Messiah. This event causes quite a stir in Jerusalem. Matthew describes what we just read as uh, using the same words that uh, for shook uh, that when an earthquake would happen or when a storm happens that shakes the land. This moment is shaking up, (laughs) maybe not physically, but shaking up spiritually what's happening uh, in this capital city of Israel. Interesting enough, Matthew uses a similar wording in chapter 2, verse 3, when he tells of the Magi, the wise men, who came seeking uh, baby Jesus. And they said uh, that they were, uh, that they saw his star and they were following it. uh, And they come in, in that story and they're asking, where is this baby born king of the Jews? And when the, the wise men, the magi come in, it caused quite a stir. We remember that from the, uh, the Christmas, the birth story. And so it's the same wording Matthew uses here. Okay. In the eyes of, of the people, what was their desire as they're proclaiming him as a king? They're declaring uh, this man is king. He's king of me. He's king. Uh, He's going to be king of this country. He's going to be king of this city. He's going to set us free. 
what are they what are they declaring what are they feeling in their mind they want to be set free from roman control they want a king who will rule the nation under jewish law they want a king who's going to reign in power. Nobody will ever mess with us again. No one's ever going to capture us again. They want a king that's triumphant and mighty and powerful and going to just beat everybody up. <laughs> okay? But much like us, sometimes what we think we need, okay, or what we think will be the way that God's going to work something, uh, he has a different plan. I'm going to wrap up uh, our sermon today if the worship team wants to come and we'll uh, conclude with these thoughts. What, what did it really mean for Jesus to be king? A king is a savior. They had that right, that he was going to come and he was going to save them. He was going to set them free, but not from their physical problem not from their physical captivity but from their spiritual problem of sin's bondage the freedom that Christ won in his victory as king the peace that he achieved uh, through his triumph was over sin it was over death it was over the grave because Jesus is king we have freedom from sin because Jesus is king we have peace with God a king is a savior. A king will rule. They thought this king's going to rule and have uh, the nation will be under his power. Jesus did not take over physical rule of Israel, but his kingship gives him authority over all principalities, over all powers of this world. All the authority is in him. He is the ultimate authority. Colossians 2, verses 9 and 10, Paul says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and every authority. Jesus Christ's rule is not over only one geographical place but it's over all physical and spiritual realms. Everything is under Jesus' rule. Lastly, their expectation is a king will reign, and they would put him as king, and he would, uh, their kingdom would reign above all other kingdoms. Jesus Christ, his kingdom, his dominion is forever. 1 Peter 3, 21 and 22 he writes, it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Upon Jesus' resurrection and his ascension into heaven, Jesus is on the throne right now at the right hand of God and he's ruling and he's reigning and his reign will be forever. We may feel like, I don't know how uh, Jesus is in control of this country. It seems like we're doing whatever we want to do. Uh, he is in control. Would you stand with me as we close today? My challenge to you is Jesus, King of your life, 
Are you part of his kingdom? This thief, this robber, this uh, revolutionary insurrectionist criminal declared Jesus as his king. And he needs to be king in our life as well. Not just that we say, oh, Jesus, yeah, you're king, but we believe in our heart that he's king of our life, king of our heart. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I love you, Lord. We thank you, God, for all that was accomplished at the cross, at your death, and at your resurrection. And today, and this day, we join with those who have declared you as their king. God, we want you to be king in our life. God, if there's anyone here that uh, hasn't placed that priority uh, of you in their life, would they do that this morning? Your promise is that if we uh, confess you as Lord and we believe in your heart, we will be saved. And we want to do that this morning, God. Would you speak to your people? Challenge us, God. It's not just another uh, moment of celebration this week and a fun time to to have uh, family and friends and get candy and have toys and fun, but we remember your sacrifice. It was for us that we would have freedom from our sin, from our bondage, God. We can have freedom today. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We want to give you opportunity uh, to respond, and uh, we're going to do a closing song. And we want to kind of, it's a kind of a celebrating uh, song of what God has accomplished in our life and how we can be uh, celebrating him. But if you want uh, me to pray with you, you can come forward and I would love to pray with you. Uh, At the conclusion of this song, uh, we're going to have the kids will come back in and we'll have um, Emily come forward and we'll be ready to do the pie in the face. We'd love for you to stick around for that, but we also understand that uh, you can leave if you uh, don't want to hang around for that. So uh, once this song's over, I'll kind of give some quick instructions, but you can feel free uh, to be dismissed. But uh, if you'd like to pray, uh, come forward and pray with me, uh, but sing this song and as we prepare for uh, the ending should be in here in just a moment uh, so we'll just take like five minutes to prepare and we'll make a you know you can mingle um, but it'll be kind of in this area if you want to be able to see it come over here